Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machen of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of FPOG, the Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about net unrealized appreciation. But before we get there, Justin, you just got back from St. Louis, uh, and I spent some time living in St. Louis. Did did The big question is, did you try barbecue, and how did it compare to Texas barbecue? Wow. That's the real issues that we need to be discussing. Uh, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, St. Louis, really fantastic town. I've, I've never spent any time there before this trip. It's always fun when you live in Houston and you you go somewhere and you land and it's 50 degrees outside. You, you kind of enjoy that. You know, I'm sure that if you live in St. Louis, you're hating that it's mid-May and it's still 50. Uh, but when you're in Houston and we're facing, you know, four straight months of 90 plus, uh, it's, it's pretty fun to experience that. Good. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, all right. So we'll get right into it. So this week we're talking about net unrealized appreciation or, or NUA as commonly seen. So at 10,000 foot view, essentially what this is, is it's an opportunity within an old, an employer 401k plan where you can Essentially, any of the stock company stock that's held in that 401k plan, you can take advantage of the strategy called net unrealized appreciation and have that rolled over to a taxable account and uh, basically create a capital gains tax liability on the appreciation of those shares. And when you receive the net unrealized appreciated shares, those count as income to you in the year you receive them. So so that's at a high level what that is. What, w- what would you add to that, Justin, before we start getting into the nuances and complexities and planning opportunities that exist for NUA? Yeah, I think I'll start by giving the easiest, quickest description of NUA that I can. Uh, in your 401k plan, if you have company stock, if we can isolate that company stock, get it out of your retirement plan, that's a very exciting thing. A lot of people don't don't realize this. We have a lot of different tax brackets, uh, income tax brackets, capital gains tax brackets. You have a completely separate bracket for Medicare. Um, so if you're if you're wondering if you say you're 65, 66 years old, and you're wondering why do I pay this amount for a Medicare premium and my neighbor pays a different amount, that's because we have a completely separate tax bracket for Medicare premiums. And so back to NUA though, I mentioned different tax brackets because. What we're essentially doing is we're taking your assets out of one tax bracket, which for probably every listener of this show, uh, we're taking it out of a tax bracket that is really high. And we're taking it out of a tax bracket that we want to avoid. And we're putting it in a different tax bracket. And the IRS lets us do this. When you have stock shares in your 401k, they allow you to elect net unrealized appreciation, take those stock shares from the income tax bracket and put it in a capital gains tax bracket. And so excited to chat about it today. Love to uh, just give high level overview of, of what do we what do we do with NUA? What are some of the opportunities? Um, how can we really use it to our advantage? But then I also want to touch on some of the specific oil and gas companies 
they have they have intricacies with their NUA that we want to be aware of, and we'll talk about those a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And to put some hard numbers on on what you were talking about, and we'll we'll include uh, images of these tax brackets and links to the tax brackets in the show notes and in the video. But what we're looking at is the long term capital gains brackets are anywhere from zero percent to twenty percent, and for uh, for income tax, it starts at ten percent and goes up to thirty seven percent. And these are twenty twenty one numbers. So just by having these potential shares instead of coming out as income from an IRA, taking advantage of this net unrealized appreciation, could really really compress the brackets, and and that's where it gets exciting. But uh, it depends on the types of shares and the cost basis, and and that's something that. Uh, that we'll get into. So, Justin, if if you're you know if you've worked for an oil and gas company for decades and you have a, a lot of different shares with a lot of different purchase prices, some that have grown substantially, some that you just bought and maybe you you held you actually hold at a loss, how do you identify which shares may be good to to take advantage of this net unrealized appreciation opportunity? The short answer is that we want to isolate shares with huge appreciation. Uh, let's get more specific. We want to take NUA on shares that you purchased decades ago. Or if you're the ConocoPhillips 401k, for example, uh, they have leveraged stock funds. And if you've been at the company for a long time, you likely have some ConocoPhillips as well as some Phillips 66. If you have a leveraged stock fund, uh, Chevron also has two different uh, stock funds in their 401k, one with a bunch, bunch of older shares. Uh, we want to elect those. So the simplest way to think about this is NUA makes sense when we have huge appreciation. When you purchase shares years ago at a very low price. And today those shares are worth significantly more than what you paid for them. Yeah, that's great. And that makes sense. So to put, you know, to, to give an example with some numbers, uh, if, if you had a hundred thousand dollars of company stock and there were some shares that had a cost basis of $10,000, uh, the $10,000 would, could be income tax in the year, taxable as income in the year you recognize it. But uh, the other capital, the capital gains, the unrealized gains would be subject to capital gains. That's well put. And, and one, one quick addition to that, one of the interesting things, uh, we, we talk about tax planning a lot. And the reason we do that is uh, for, for our clients retiring from a large oil and gas company, huge opportunities exist to lower your future tax bill. And uh, the caveat or the, the irony with that is with the clients we serve, we are voluntarily signing them up to to pay a tax bill this year. Um, and in UA, that's very much the truth. Uh, so if we decide to convert assets from an IRA or a 401k to a Roth IRA, uh, well, that's a taxable event. So we're, we're voluntarily signing up to you know take a tax hit this year. And within UA, you're actually doing the same thing um, because you are electing for your cost basis to be taxed as income immediately when when you execute the NUA transaction. Uh, so you are going to have an income taxable event this year. Uh, but again, why would why do we do that? Why would we voluntarily set ourselves up for income tax in the in the immediate near term? Well we do it because the long term benefits are enormous. Yeah. And I think you're right, the long term benefits are enormous. And we're big advocates of diversification, not just in your investment portfolio, but in across the tax type of account that you have. And 
one of the things we see often with oil and gas professionals that are retiring is they have a substantial amount of pre-tax assets. And so that's going to create significant future tax liabilities when they begin drawing down income tax liabilities, not capital gains tax liabilities. So this is a good opportunity to also build some tax diversification by getting some of these pre-tax dollars outside of the pre-tax account subject to a different tax schedule that is capital gains. It's a little bit compressed and a lower starting point and a lower ending point. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And uh, we'll include this in the show notes and uh, in in the YouTube video as well. But uh, uh, if you think about the different ways that your assets can be structured, uh, you can have pre-tax, 401k, pension, IRA. Um, and I, I always draw that in red uh, to, to kind of just give a little bit of a, a caution warning uh, that just like you mentioned, Jared, Almost every client we work with that's retiring from a large oil and gas company, uh, they've got a lot of pre-tax assets. They have little or no Roth assets, and they often don't have a whole lot of non-retirement assets. And so a huge opportunity in retirement, and this is where NUA comes in in its most simplest form. We're trying to get some of your assets out of that pre-tax bucket that I often draw in red, and we're trying to move that away from pre-tax into either Roth or non-retirement uh, for favorable tax rates. Yeah. And Justin, just to reiterate, so this isn't an all or nothing decision, right? So like if you so if you have company stock with a variety of basis, you don't have to make one decision for all of all of your company shares. Uh you can you can isolate a specific portion of those shares to do that, right? That is a loaded question. So let's talk about that real quick. Let's camp out on the specific rules and procedures with, with NUA. NUA in, in the IRS tax code is extremely sensitive. Uh, so what do I mean by that? Um, if you take a distribution from your 401k and that distribution does not include an NUA election, in most cases, you have completely forfeited your ability to do any future NUA elections. And so again, quick, uh, and, and this is really meant to be a little bit of a warning. Um, if you have an NUA opportunity in your 401k, you want to tread lightly. You want to treat it delicately and, and talk to a, a professional who, who has experience dealing with it. Uh, because if you are, for example, 62 years old and you have your 401k with a big NUA opportunity, if you take a distribution from your 401k, uh, and it's a partial distribution. You just say you take out $10,000. That can eliminate your ability to do NUA in the future. And so uh, if you have an NUA opportunity, you have to be really careful about all the transactions that, that you execute within your 401k because NUA has to be done as a complete rollover. You have to deal with the entire 401k when you elect NUA. Uh, but then you also, you cannot do partial transactions uh, multiple times and then one day decide, now I want to elect anyway. If you do that, the IRS can come back and say, no, you've, you've forfeited your ability to elect anyway. And so now back to your question. So your, your question is, when you look at an NUA opportunity, do you have to take all of the shares? Can you look at specific shares and just elect NUA on that? That is also a very complicated question, but let's let's try to simplify it and, and, and dive into that. Maybe we should just go ahead and discuss some of the different specific company plans that we work with. Um, and so I'd like to discuss uh, ConocoPhillips, ExxonMobil, 
Uh, we'll touch on Chevron a little bit, but um, once you start going into here, here's the huge delineation. If uh, Fidelity manages your 401k, you likely have a uh, pretty clear cut NUA decision. If Voya manages your 401k, so ExxonMobil, it becomes a little bit more complex. And there's some pros and cons to both of those. And so let's start out with uh, let's start out with ExxonMobil. If you work at ExxonMobil and you purchase shares um, several decades, not several, but a few decades ago, you likely have a tremendous opportunity for NUA. So, you know, it's it's not uncommon for us to see clients with shares that are at an $8, $9, $12 purchase price. Uh, and they may have purchased those shares 30 years ago. Um, now, in that situation with the ExxonMobil 401k, what's exciting is you are allowed to pinpoint the exact share prices that you want to elect NUA with. As you can imagine, if you've worked at ExxonMobil for the last 30 years, and let's say that in your 401k, you've been regularly purchasing company stock, uh, you're probably going to have some shares that are $10 a share from, from decades ago, and you're going to have some shares that are $80 a share. And you're going to have a wide variety. So just like we talked about at the beginning of the show, NUA only makes sense with, with shares that have a very low cost basis. Um, and so NUA is attractive. When we have a low cost basis, it's not attractive if we have to take a high cost basis share. And so with ExxonMobil, it's fantastic because we can isolate specific shares uh, over your entire career that we elect NUA on those shares. We don't elect NUA on these other shares. Great. And so clarifying question. So if I'm interested in this NUA opportunity uh, and, I, but, and I want to identify and see you know, my various cost basis and lots of the company stock that I've purchased, is that on is that on the 401k statement that I receive on a monthly or quarterly basis from my plan custodian or or do I have to go online or request that information? How would I get access to that if I were to begin to just kind of identify the opportunity set in my share specifically in my employer plan? That question is also specific to your company. So with ExxonMobil, uh, you know, you have a, a multi-page statement that you get and the, uh, the 401k or sorry, the NUA breakdown, uh, typically on page three or four, I believe, but it's the giant spreadsheet page where you just have all of the shares that you've purchased. And uh, then on the uh, uh, top of the chart, you're going to see before tax. Um, after tax Roth account and, and, and how those were, were treated when you purchase the shares. But that page for ExxonMobil with Voya is going to show you, do you have shares where NUA makes sense? Um, and just like, just like we have to talk about, uh, this is not tax or, or investment advice. Um, and if you're looking for that, you, you can certainly contact us and we can discuss it. Uh, but to give you an example, if you are at ExxonMobil and you've got shares that were purchased at $10 or $15 a share, $20 a share, and then you have a bunch that were purchased at $70 a share, uh, the low cost basis shares, let's isolate those. Let's let's potentially take NUA on those. And uh, the other shares, that can just be part of the rollover that, that goes to an IRA, and we do not want to elect NUA with that. Got it. And so for those shares that uh, maybe don't make sense from an NUA opportunity because it'd be mostly income taxable versus capital gains taxable, uh, do you typically hold those shares? Or Because there's also, you know, in balance with this is managing concentrated company stock risk. And and we'll see, you know, employer plans where 
20%, uh, 15%, 30% of their net worth is tied to a single single company stock, which is a really concentrated bet. So philosophically, how do we think that that needs to be considered and how that how does that fit into NUA decisions? That's exactly right. Whenever we think through this topic, um, first and foremost, we're talking about an investment decision. And then the second part of it is a tax decision. And so just like you mentioned, if you've got significantly concentrated positions in one company or in a few companies, you know, the first question we have to ask is, well, what exactly are we trying to accomplish? And if you're simply trying to step away from full-time work, you're, you're reaching financial independence and you're wanting to turn your portfolio into your livelihood. Uh, so you're no longer going to receive paychecks or benefits. You're retiring. And now your nest egg is what you're depending on for the rest of your life. Most of the time, it just does not make sense to have a concentrated stock bet if that's your situation. And so the shares that we elect NUA on, uh, we want to have a plan for those. And, and I think we'll probably touch on that topic next. What exactly can we do with, with NUA shares down the road? But the shares that we don't elect NUA on, uh, we want to sell and diversify those. Um, and again, in those show notes, if you think about the graphic where your assets are either in a pre-tax bucket, uh, 401k IRA, or they're in a green bucket, which, which is Roth IRA um, in our images, and then the blue bucket is non-retirement or brokerage account, any assets that are in that red IRA 401k bucket there's no tax consequences to sell and diversify there. The tax consequences when you take it out. And so for any shares that we don't elect NUA on, uh, certainly it begs the question, we need to sell. So so why would we not sell those immediately? And a uh, huge opportunity to diversify, make your portfolio significantly safer with shares that we do not elect NUA on. That's a great point. And it's it's funny because something as seemingly simple as a 401k rollover, you know, going back to that graphic, it could be three separate transactions. You could roll pre-tax money uh and into a, an IRA, a rollover IRA, you could roll the NUA shares into a taxable account and you could roll any Roth uh 401k or after-tax contributions into a Roth IRA. So what seemingly is something as simple as a 401k rollover quickly becomes complex with different rules and considerations and three separate transactions and tax, you know, tax liabilities and potential consequences that that need to be considered. Touching on one of the things you said about potential opportunities with the NUA shares that we haven't touched on is those shares is a giving asset. So this is one of the things we get we get excited about is uh instead of using this company stock and uh, for living expenses, potentially paying the capital gains tax on them, gifting uh, those shares instead of cash. Because if you're giving cash, you're likely giving after-tax money. But if, if you were to gift these shares to a, a charitable vehicle, like a donor advised fund, or directly to the charities that you're supporting, you would get to gift the full value of the shares. The charity would get that full value and they wouldn't be subject to those capital gains and you wouldn't have to pay capital gains on on those shares. So really, uh, you get to avoid those capital gains taxes while still continuing to support organizations you're passionate about, uh, but just in a little more tax conscious way. Yeah, that's such a great description. Um, I think I think that's something that, that really uh, needs to get more attention in financial planning circles. It's 
really interesting because with our clients as, as well as some of the content we've put out, uh, we found that this topic is, is potentially the most popular. And that's because if you're currently giving to, to whether it's charities or your church, if you're doing any charitable giving, um, and I think we wrote on this recently, 95% of Americans are not getting a tax deduction for their charitable giving. And I think it's, I think it's actually slightly above 95%. The reason for that, the standard deduction is really, really substantial, uh, 25000 a year if you're married filing jointly. And so if your mortgage is paid off and if your property taxes are capped at $10,000 like they are, uh, you have to be giving potentially fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 to even start getting a tax deduction. The key takeaway there, and uh, we, we've got some articles on this that we can link in the show notes, is if you're planning to do any charitable giving whatsoever, uh, you can be a little bit more strategic about it. You can really plan it out. You can get, you can maximize a tax deduction, but then you can also, just like you mentioned, Jared, these NUA shares, huge opportunity because there's a, there's a big capital gain tax liability there. Uh, so never give cash. If you have NUA, um, as an opportunity, you should not be giving cash to charities. Uh, you should always give appreciated stock in those NUA shares, huge opportunity there. Being generous really opens up the, the floodgates in terms of planning opportunities uh, and uh, potential strategies. So obviously there's a big opportunity set with NUA, a lot of considerations, a lot that happens mechanically. I think it would be a good time to to give a word of caution and kind of talk about some of the experiences we've had while trying to execute this with our clients because it's nuanced and a lot of times the, the plan custodian doesn't understand or there's lots of considerations or they'll get stuck or they'll tell you, you know, conflicting information. Uh, and Justin, you and I have spent probably way too many hours listening to hold music for these plant custodians or talking, trying to make sure these are executed properly. But if, if you just want to share uh, a story or two to help people realize the gravity and how, how strategic and intentional you have to be in, in driving the dialogue so that you get accomplished what you want accomplished and, and not have to deal with any of the potential consequences, but that, that could be costly. That's such a great point. Uh, and, you know, these custodians need to do a better job with their hold music. I was getting something from Apple the other day, and Apple actually lets you pick which type of hold music you want to listen to. They give you four or five options. You get to pick what you want. We've got a lot of experience listening to uh, hold music at, at Voya or Fidelity and some of the other custodians. Um, so let's dive into that question. Uh, Jared, you mentioned something uh, about five or 10 minutes ago that that is pretty critical. So let's start there. And that is uh, when you do an NUA transaction, when you do a rollover, it can be three different transactions. You can do a rollover to an IRA. You can do an NUA election to a brokerage account, and you could potentially do a rollover from after-tax or Roth assets to a Roth IRA. Um, and after tax and Roth assets, those are two different things, uh, which we will touch on in, in, in some, in some other content and podcasts coming up, but let's, let's camp out there. I had an experience recently, and this is, this is not unique. This is a pretty common occurrence. About 90% of our clients are, are from large oil and gas companies. And, uh, so NUA is something that we deal with on a, on a very consistent basis, and I won't go into detail on this specific situation, but it was a ConocoPhillips 401k. ConocoPhillips, uh, I spent some time talking about ExxonMobil's for uh, NUA opportunity. ConocoPhillips is a little bit different because you cannot isolate specific shares. 
you are not able to to say I want to elect NUA on these four sets of shares that I purchased 25 years ago, and then I want to forego it on the others. Instead, ConocoPhillips has four categories uh, of of stock. And it, it depends on when you were hired at ConocoPhillips, but if you've uh, been at the company uh, for an extended period of time, you likely have uh, some exposure to ConocoPhillips stock as well as Phillips 66 because of uh, the merger there and some of the activity there. Now, with ConocoPhillips, it's even more interesting uh, because when I say you have different characterizations within your company stock, that's not that's not unusual. Um, you know, other companies have NUA, BP, Chevron, and uh, Chevron, for example, you have a you have an ESIP and an ESOP. You have you have two different stock characterizations. Uh, one of them is significantly lower with the cost basis and a much better NUA opportunity, and the other one is is likely not a good opportunity. You just want to roll that over to an IRA in in most cases. But with this ConocoPhillips situation, you've got four um, different categories, and it's it's leveraged ConocoPhillips stock, regular ConocoPhillips stock, leveraged Phillips sixty six stock, and then regular Phillips sixty six stock. Each one of those four has a specific cost basis and a specific value attached to it. And uh, uh, with the quick rundown there, the ConocoPhillips regular stock, probably not a great opportunity uh, for NUA. It, it's pretty standard that if, if, you're, you know, if you've been at ConocoPhillips for a while, your cost basis is going to be relatively high. The market value is not going to be substantially above that cost basis. Uh, so for NUA purposes, not a great opportunity. Now, the leveraged stock positions for ConocoPhillips and Phillips 66, those are fantastic opportunities for, for many folks uh, because you have a low cost basis with, with high market value um, today. And so in this particular example, uh, we wanted to isolate. We wanted to isolate the leveraged stock funds as well as the Phillips 66 regular stock fund. We wanted to elect NUA on those portions because we had a market value that was several times higher than the cost basis. So huge NUA opportunity. Uh, but then the ConocoPhillips position, not a good NUA opportunity at all. And so we told the custodian, this is what we're going to do. This is the NUA we want to elect. We want to forego the regular ConocoPhillips. We just want to roll that over because it's not a good deal. And the first person, the first customer service representative told us that that is not possible. That we either have to elect NUA on everything, on all four categories, or we don't elect NUA on anything. Now, to cut to the chase, that is not correct. And let's talk about the ramifications there. So, so we're actually talking to the uh, uh, entity that, that manages uh, this, this 401k. We're, we're talking to a customer service representative that is in charge of executing a rollover and NUA transaction. And the information we were getting was that, ooh, you can't do that. You, you actually have to take the entire position if you want to do NUA. So in this situation, this would have been, this would have added a almost six figure income tax uh, event onto, onto uh, this person's tax return this year. Uh, so we're talking about very, very serious ramifications. We're talking about a five figure tax bill um, um, had, we, had we taken this first person's advice. Um, but we, we knew that that was not the case. And so, uh, we just, you know, kindly asked to, uh, speak to another NUA specialist with the plan and they were extremely helpful and, and we were able to isolate those shares. Uh, but we mentioned that story just because 
if you are, are, are doing this on your own, it's very possible that you may call your plan custodian, uh, whether it's Voya or, or someone else. And, and you may get a customer service person who is not somebody who has spent hours studying NUA in, in our tax code, uh, which is completely reasonable. Uh, but there's huge ramifications there uh, because you can get some, some wrong information. And this is not the first time this has happened with a NUA rollover call for us. Um, and so it's critical that, that, you know, the rules you're working with a professional who, who is very well versed in, in, in UA strategy and, and the rules along with it, uh, because it's, it's likely that you could be talking to a customer service representative that, that doesn't know anything about NUA and they're trying to read on their guidebook for that, the bylaws of that 401k, and they could easily give you information that is not right. And just like the story I just mentioned, uh, we're talking about a, a five-figure tax bill uh, would have been the consequence had we just taken this person at their word. And so it really is a transaction where you've got to be careful and it, it needs to be treated delicately. Yeah, Justin. And that's that's a great place to wrap up. You know, I, I think about NUA decisions being at the intersection of a big opportunity, a big potential consequence for being wrong and lots of potential conflicting information being available, right? And where those two, th- where those three ideas intersect is when it's a good time to reach out to somebody and to hire a professional to make sure that everything is being considered and this is being coordinated in a way that's thoughtful and it's maximizing the opportunities and minimizing the potential consequences. But we hope this has been helpful and we want this to be interactive. So if you have questions about your specific plan or have ideas for potential other employer benefits, don't hesitate to send us an email podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. We'll try to get back to all of those, but we uh, thank you for being with us for another week and, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleewealthmanagement.com or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.